all right. She can stay. What did you do? I convinced him. That must have been some blowjob. Red Center special. Hello, and welcome to Resisting Gilead. This is Gina, and today we are going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 2 of The Handmaid's Tale, which is titled Mary and Martha. Very interesting episode. Not a lot of spectacular things happened. Um, I think it is really hard to top that season premiere. But some very interesting groundwork has been laid for the rest of the season, particularly with June getting involved with the Martha Resistance Network. But before we get into kind of scenes, characters that we haven't seen yet this season who make their resurgence and whatnot, if I had to sum up this episode, I would have to say Gilead has caused PSTD everywhere. You always got your shit together. It's Nicole, us, work, Emily. Yeah, yeah, I totally got my shit together. That's why I'm up all hours feeding this little monster. Huh? I could be waking up next to something pretty. Hmm? We're all fucked up, okay? And now we're at, we all fucked up, right? You know, we, we see Aunt Lydia, who's clearly maybe physically somewhat recovered from her her attack by Emily, but definitely has a very short fuse. We see Emily, who's now in Canada, but, you know, just doesn't have it within her to reach out to her wife yet. You know, she, she went through a lot of trauma in Gilead, so it's really hard to blame her. And, you know, Luke, even, while he's probably been least impacted by the horrors of Gilead. You know, he was, he was definitely having some issues, I think, with the fact that June didn't come home and that, you know, Emily did. And Emily's not contacting her spouse. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of emotion kind of, kind of wrapped up in that. Um, and then I think the wives have a certain amount of PSTD. Uh, Commander Lawrence's wife, Mrs. Lawrence, um, I believe her her first name is Eleanor, although we don't hear it very much. You know, she's definitely a troubled woman, probably mentally ill, but I think also a lot of that just had to do with the creation of Gilead and knowing that her husband is behind so much of it. You know, he invented the economy. He invented uh, the colonies where basically women go to work and die. You know, he, he's had a really heavy hand in the creation. And you kind of wrap this all up together. And really, the people that seem to have the least trauma associated with Gilead at this point are the Marthas. You know, June says something really interesting to the fact when she goes out dressed up as one to move the chemistry teacher she says it's it's interesting being invisible. You know, the handmaids never meant were meant to be. They wear red, makes them easier to catch, but you know, no one gives her the time of day when she's dressed as a Martha. And I think that is probably why this kind of vibe of invisibility 
where they're really just house servants to everyone in the society, they're kind of, this invisibility gives them the power to coordinate behind the scenes. Uh, you know, it seems like they're, they're least suspected. I think that's starting to change. You know, people, people are on to the Marthas in, in some respects. But, you know, for the time being, I think there's probably a lot more cooking in this network than we realize, um, which is going to be really interesting. And, and we're definitely going to talk about this today. So we get started out in this episode and who is waiting in the parlor for June but uh, Aunt Lydia herself. And, you know, she's back. She looks horrible. Sounds like her same old self. She seems very disturbed by um, Mrs. Lawrence's behavior. You know, she, she definitely did not want to be down there. She was very uncomfortable. And she even has a nerve kind of to say to June, like, if something unseemly is happening in this house, you let me know because Emily was only here for two days. <laughs> and... Um, Oh, before she decided to knife you in the back. Really, Aunt Lydia, it had nothing to do with her new posting at crazy Bradley Whitford Lawrence's house. It had everything to do with the fact that you performed, uh, you know, you had a genital mutilation performed on her and just kind of your whole hand in the involvement with the abuse of these handmaids. You know, June is, is being kind to her, seeing her out you know, Aunt Lydia wants to see June's dwellings. So they, they try to start up the stairs. And then lo and behold, here is what happens. Are you okay? Maybe next time is better, all right? You shut your mouth! Aunt Elizabeth was soft! I would never have put you in a new posting. After what you pulled at the Mackenzies, you should be on the wall! Everything is in hand, Commander Lawrence. Of Joseph was seen gossiping at loaves and fishes. That simply will not do. Spare the rod, spoil the handmaid. Something like that. Quite. Quite right. Blessed day. So, <laughs> clearly, Aunt Lydia hasn't changed much. Um, although her mood swings from seemingly kind to completely fucking abusive have only become larger or is it faster? I don't know, but um, she's definitely, she just flew off the handle at June and you know, it's not out of character, but it seemed like those two women had built up a little bit more of a rapport the last season. So I think it was surprising and biting, especially when June is being kind to her and showing concern for her just to you know, be like raked across the coals and was really horrible. Uh, but what I think is fascinating is Aunt Lydia and her abuse, you know, it gets caught by Commander Lawrence. He comes in on the scene 
observes June recovering from being zapped by Aunt Lydia. And um, I think this is one of the first times that someone other than a handmaid has witnessed abuse of handmaids by the hands of the aunts. I think all these people know what happens. I mean, there are handmaids without eyes. There are handmaids without fingers whose faces are scarred. It's, it's obvious that there's a certain amount of punishment that happens, but I think for a commander to witness it, especially a commander that had a heavy hand in putting this society in motion, it was interesting. And Aunt Lydia seemed to be somewhat taken aback that she had gotten caught and, you know, good, good for her. Maybe she should be finally feeling a little bit of shame for her really fucking evil behavior. So we, as things move along, June walks into the kitchen into something. And it turns out the two Marthas in the Lawrence household, which are Cora, who is the Martha that is missing an eye, and then another Martha, Beth. And Beth should look familiar to everyone. She is the former cook at Jezebel's that it seemed like at one point in time, Nick kind of had a thing with prior to him hooking up with June. And it's interesting. It's, uh, it's really interesting to see this relationship forming between June and Beth. I think Beth is a totally cool cat a really good egg. I think she's smart. And I think she is looking for allies, just just like, you know, June is going to be looking for allies this season. So it, you know, it turns out that there is this woman who is a former high school chemistry teacher, and they are trying to get her out or get her somewhere. And, um, you know, June makes a really funny crack about, okay, Breaking Bad. Yeah, I wasn't in the army, were you? (laughs) And I think that was a a kind of nice little moment of humor flashback to what life used to be like when, you know, we were entertained by watching chemistry teachers cook meth on television. So June is all in. She wants to see how this works. She has been moved several times now. You know, there was the first episode, first episode in the, well, no, this all happened last season where she was kind of left a little map to follow from the doctor's office into the back of a meat truck that took her elsewhere. And she was actually, you know, I think she was gone for three or four months when she was missing uh, during that time. The time where she was getting ready to escape at the end of season two was going to be a much swifter exit. You know, as we see with Emily, she was going to be getting in a car and they were heading straight for the border and she was going to get over it um, or at least very close to it to cross in on foot. So she's fascinated. She's all in any kind of trauma that she has had with, you know, sending one child across the border realizing that she could not save Hannah yet, kind of living in this society and all the wrongs that have been done to her, she's found it within herself to be over that part of it. 
she's she's out for I don't want to say she's out for blood, but she is out to take Gilead down. I think she knows in her heart that by taking down the society, that's the only way she's going to have a real shot at getting her daughter Hannah back. So she's in it. She's curious. She's getting involved. And, you know, there's a little kerfuffle in the kitchen. Commander Lawrence comes in and is like, you know, grumble, grumble, grumble. Um, what's going on? And, um, you know, they're worried. They're not being straight with him. And if June has learned anything at her time at the Waterfords, it is how to both anticipate and I think read the commanders. I think um, if there is anything Fred was good for in terms of June coming into that Waterford household, it was to give her some really hard, interesting lessons into how these commanders work, how they think, how they feel, what makes them tick, and realizing that every man and person is different. She had a lot of one-on-one time with Fred to kind of really understand some of the air quotes, hardships that the commanders face on a daily basis and a lot of their concerns. So I think in some weird ways, all that trauma that she experienced in the Waterford household actually has helped give her a really solid foundation in terms of how am I going to work with this guy to my advantage? She already knows that he helped Emily escape. She knows that he took her in. And she knows that maybe there is more to this guy than meets the eye. He is definitely not your typical commander. He doesn't do the ceremonies with the handmaids. He helps people that are underdogs. And um, he's, he's a quirky. He's a quirky one. Um, he is really out there and has some massive mood swings as well. So, you know, we, we see them kind of run through this drill of the, you know, trying to hand off a Martha. And so they do a successful handoff of the Martha. They don't actually hand her off, but they leave her at the place where she is supposed to be met and picked up. Hours later, however, there's a knock at the door. Our friend Breaking Bad is back along with another Martha who's been shot. Almost immediately, the authorities are there. They're getting this wounded woman down into the basement. There's a lot of like screaming going on. It raises the attention of Commander Lawrence, who really kind of demands what's going on. And Cora lies. She says, oh, there was a rat in the basement. June, on the other hand, tells the truth. Like, okay, the woman that was here earlier, yes, she is back and someone else is back with her and they are hurt. He's like, get her out of here. June goes down. There's some really interesting maneuvering because there are people down in the basement, then there are people up. And then Commander Waterford's wife comes down the stairs and seems completely normal, at least more normal than we've seen her. She's offering the authorities, the guardians, uh, a hot drink. She's saying, Cora, please come help me. 
and then sees blood stains on the wall. She's like, clean that, clean that up. And looks at June and just says, go. Like she knew June had work to do. She knows something is going on. And she seems very, um, it'll be interesting to see how involved that Mrs. Lawrence is in the Martha network. Because as frail as she seems, and I don't think it's an act, I do think that she is somehow more deeply involved in the resistance effort than we realize. And I think Commander Lawrence is too. I, it's a very interesting household. I think the dynamics are really stressed and strained and odd. And I think they're associated with a lot of guilt. For some reason, I remember last season, maybe Mrs. Lawrence called her husband a monster for forming the colonies. Like she was in a rage. And he said something to the fact that, you know, she was an art professor. She likes things to be beautiful. And the society is anything but beautiful. It is just a nightmare. It's a nightmare for someone who loves peace and beauty and art. And, oof, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be very interesting. But unfortunately, that Martha who got shot dies. And Commander Lawrence scolds June somewhat severely. We're going to listen to a clip of that conversation here. Women like you are like children. Asking for too much, taking whatever you want, damn the consequences. I'm sorry, sir. I bet you are. Is Mrs. Lawrence okay? Do not presume to speak to me about my life! Sir, we had no idea she would come back here. I mean, taking you in. So again, kind of like Aunt Lydia, I feel like Commander Lawrence is, I don't know, he, he's also very hot and cold. He's creepy, we know. He says some very odd things. But when... Jude asked if Mrs. Lawrence was all right. He just really, of course, as you heard there, flew off the handle. So definitely, um, in some ways, it's a great tell for June. She knows it is a hot button for him. His wife is a hot button, um, which hopefully she can use to her advantage later on. Um, I do think that an interesting relationship is forming between June and Commander Lawrence. He's, you know, after he, he yells at her and says he knew he made a mistake bringing her in, he also says, clean this up. And I think it's really the beginning of him showing June the repercussions of your actions, which are something that he has to face every day living in this society that he created or that at least was created on the basis of his theories 
his uh, economic theories, books he wrote, etc. You know, he, he doesn't let Beth help her out with the body. Beth helped her get the body outside. And then he's like, get inside. And June digs that grave all by herself. Uh, later on, Beth comes up and, you know, gives her some some things for her hands, which I think are, are probably pretty blistered from, from all the digging. And they have kind of a nice back and forth. And she just says, he doesn't like liars. And that's something I think that June is going to really have to stay on the track. Like she was a liar with Fred through and through. A lot of the times I thought she was a horrible liar. Like her seduction of Fred was just, I mean, it's like, dude, you can't see through how disgusted she is by you. Like just like super saccharine sweet, like who acts that way? No, no normal woman, at least no normal woman that I know. But, um, that kind of behavior is not, you know, is not going to work with, um, with Joseph Lawrence, not at all. So June, you know, June's, it kind of reminds me of, so, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning. It's this algorithm that is consistently learning and improving its knowledge as it gets more data and information. I almost feel like June is not not the human equivalent, but she's she's in a position where she's gathering data. It's like let's let's gather as much data on this guy as we can, much information, and figure out what really makes him tick and how to deal with him successfully. So really, really interesting. I don't know. I think, you know, again, kind of a not a short episode. I just don't think a lot happened. But Something I do want to touch on is Emily again. At the end of the episode, she is getting fitted for glasses. And it took me a minute to realize that in her flashback scenes before, I think we had only seen her in glasses or primarily seen her in glasses, which made me think, wow, she was in Gilead the whole time, not even being able to see the things around her clearly. I don't know if that's because are women so devalued in Gilead that if they need glasses in order to see, they're not going to be given them. And when I think back, I I don't think there's ever been a woman wearing glasses in Gilead. Uh, There have definitely been men wearing glasses, but no women, which is... (laughs) I think just goes to show the value they really place on on women to not even let them have the right equipment they need to to see properly. I guess in some ways that's a way to keep them in line. You can't you can't see properly, you're more vulnerable, you're less likely to run, you're less likely to misbehave, you're less likely to hit a target if you're if you're aiming at something and you can't see well. So I guess it makes sense, but it's, again, another really interesting way that Gilead just has so much control over women and their lives. I don't feel like there are any super pivotal scenes. I would say, production-wise, the things I really noticed this week were that when June was with the Marthas and they were trying to get... Breaking Bad to her pickup point, 
everything around really reminded me of scenes I've seen from the World War II, kind of post-World War II era where things were gray and drab, very industrial. You know, we see just people milling about quietly. People seem somewhat, I don't want to say depressed, but I guess, you know, just very uh, ho-hum. No, you know, no real excitement, anything. It just seemed kind of like a drab and dreary place to live. If I had to pick a Sister Resistor or Mr. Resistor of the week, you know, I think it's got to be June again. She's She just jumped into like, show me how it's done. She is like a sponge soaking up as much information as she can about how this underground network of Martha's works. She is soaking in information about Commander Lawrence, and she is getting ready to position herself to become very active in the effort to take down Gilead. As far as a Mr. Resistor in our real daily lives, I think this episode, it has got to go to Mr. Spike Lee, who very publicly spoke out and basically made a call to Hollywood that they really need to pull the plug on doing any business whatsoever in Georgia because of a because of Georgia's stance on abortion rights, which is basically to ban most abortions. Kudos to him. So Spike Lee is not the first person to have spoken out against pulling the plug in Georgia on any type of film and video production. I know that the people that produce The Walking Dead are weighing their options and considering this as a possibility. Disney is considering it a possibility. Alyssa Milano has been very outspoken on this topic. Not surprisingly, she has become a huge advocate for women's rights, gay rights across the board. And also Jason Bateman spoke out against this. I guess Ozark films there. And I think there's something else he works on that films there as well. So, but this week, Spike Lee, because he just spoke out. I think he is probably one of the more notable voices in Hollywood to speak out against this. And kudos to him. And thank you, Mr. Lee. And that's all for this episode. I have to say that the third episode of season three is a humdinger. There's a lot to cover in that one. So please tune in next time. I'm going to try and have that pot up in the next day or so. There's going to be a lot to discuss. So again, if you have any feedback that you would like to share with me uh, to be considered and read on the podcast, please email me at resistinggilead at gmail.com and I would love to feature some feedback about the show or anything you have to say about the series so far this season uh, on the podcast moving forward. Thanks so much. And as always, don't let the bastards grind you down. <laughs>